0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and giraffes everywhere wondering where they can find appropriate neckties. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's Tea with BBP. Live from the Michigan State University campus, it's your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BBP, international superstar, and diva, diva of SLA. With me and my co-hosts, East Lansing's answer to Cheech and Chong, Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. I don't know which one's Cheech and which one's Chong, but say hi, you guys.
1: Hello. Hello, everybody.
0: I think that's an honor to be the answer to Cheech and Chong. You know, they're, they're really famous, and they were really popular for a long time.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They were very popular for a very long time. Yeah.
2: Yes. Super popular. Yes. I
0: mean. And in my culture, they were, like, really popular, so... Well, kids, a belated happy anniversary.
2: Yay! I should have told you this.
0: It was our anniversary on October the 15th. We celebrated one year of the show. What do you think of that? Is that not awesome? I'm ready
1: for retirement. That's what I think.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Walter. (laughs) Come on,
1: please. What do you mean you're ready for retirement? Well, if I have to put up with another year of you, I'm not sure. Oh, my (laughs) gosh.
0: See? 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 I'm going to go back to Wilson. I'm going to go back oh, to Wilson. No, there no, we go. no, no, Wilson didn't talk back to me like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No. It's been a great year. You know you love me more than your luggage. Right, exactly. There you go. No, it's been a great year. I can't <laughs> believe it's been a year, though. I, I mean, know, really. right? Yeah, some, some little conversation we had at some point about, hey, like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, let's put on a show. The next thing you know, we're doing it, and we're going strong. Thanks to everybody out there in our listening audience. We love our listening audience, don't we? We love oh, our absolutely. listeners. Absolutely, We do. We've got some great fans out there. Actually, I'm fans of some of them. Let me tell you, there's some great uh-huh. people out there listening. So we're hoping that you'll call in today. I have no jokes today. You know, I think, I think I'm losing my sense of humor. What? No. I am. No. I think I'm losing my sense. I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think my funny bone is something's going on in my funny bone that I just think it's, I think it's broken. You know what I think it is? I think it's the I think it's the political climate's getting mm. to me. Mm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll perk up on November 9th. <laughs> there we go. I like it. November 9th I'll have jokes. When, when's our show after that the uh, the 10th? Oh no, cuz we're going to be at Mywela, right? Yep, so, that's right. Oh, but we will do Thursday from Mywela on the 10th. Yep. So yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll be in good spirits then. Yeah. There we go. There you go. We'll be at Mywela.
1: That's so, exciting! I love doing those live shows.
0: Yeah, yeah, and everybody loves you, Walter. We're going to give oh you a, yeah. we're going to give you away again. We're going to give you away as a, a, a dinner, a dinner <laughs> date that night. Oh my! Somebody, some poor and suspecting audience member who answers a question quickly. I think he's busy correctly.
2: that night.
1: I think I'm busy every night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you don't want to disappoint
0: your fans. You got people who want you to be president. You got people who. What else do people want? I don't know what people want, Walter. For? what do people
1: want for? <laughs> 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 oh everybody loves you they w- oh never mind <laughs> no,
0: no. yeah it's like when you say oh he's so famous god he's so famous i forgot his name he's so famous yeah. yeah oh my gosh all right well we'll just get into it we're just gonna get into it um and uh, remind our callers that we have two questions right We have two questions at every show. We have the SLA challenge question that we will ask at some point. I will give you all the question. Uh, And then the first person to make it to the phones, to Dustin and and, uh, ring in, and answers the question correctly will win a prize. And then our second question always is the diva challenge question. I'll read that question at some point after the SLA challenge question has been answered. And you'll have time to call in with the right answer and win a prize for that question as well. And Angelica, you have a quote of the week this week, don't you? Is it?
2: I do. Yes. We missed
0: you last week. Dustin did your quote of the week last week, you know.
2: Oh, nice. Was it a good one? Yeah, it was good. He
1: did a good. He did a good job. It was very job. memorable. Yeah. It but was? I don't remember what it mm-hmm. was. That's was what so I famous, you, f- you forget his name, right? That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we have Angelica's quote of the week, and she's doing it live, no fill-in. Um, and then we also have Walter's read of the week. You have a reading too, right?
1: Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do.
0: Mm -hmm. Are they topical this week? Are your quotes and your readings topical for our topic this week?
1: I try very hard to make them topical, and in fact, I did succeed this week.
0: Oh, good. I like topical. I use topical solutions on my skin, you know. I I like things that are topical. (laughs) I do have that skin thing going on, you know, where it starts to burn. I have to put that topical solution on there. Hmm. Or is that a tropical solution? No, that's when I go to tanning. That's a tropical solution. Never mind. I I get confused. (laughs) I just get so confused sometimes. (laughs) I'm having an Alice. I was. I was just waiting. I was waiting for it. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, I'm just man. so tired. I got to get on a plane after this show. That's why I'm probably punchy and humorless. Mm-hmm. Not, not diva tour? Yeah. It's par- well, it's not really part of the diva tour. It's, it's wedged in there. I'm actually going. I'm actually excited about it. I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to Chicago for the UIC Bilingualism Forum. Mm. And so it actually started today, but unfortunately I couldn't be there today because we have our show. And so I'll be flying there. I'll be going to Chicago after the show, and then I'll be speaking tomorrow. I'm giving a keynote talk, and guess what the topic is? It's a sizzler. It's a. I mean, you touch it, it's hot. It's a sizzler. It's like a waffle iron. It's so hot. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell us what it is already? Scary. You know what the topic is? What is it? What has happened to S.L.A does dun, dun, dun. not that sound yeah. good? Yeah, so I, th- I thought I'd throw something provocative out there for them. And they're a great group of people. And, you know, my old stomping ground, Chicago and UIC, I taught there for seven years. So I'm excited to go there. And if some of you are listening, I will see you tomorrow. I'm sorry I can't be there today. But anyway, so. So why is it not part of the Diva Tour? I'm confused. Well, because the Diva Tour is more about the language teaching stuff. And then this is actually a conference on language acquisition and bilingualism. So it's a little bit different than the other ones. And then, but the next week I will be in Minnesota for the Minnesota conference on language what's it called the ccflt uh no that was that was colorado see (laughs) there comes alice she's just looking around my brain like (laughs) anyway um it's the minnesota council on the teaching foreign languages i think it's called um and so i'll be there and they are very excited
1: to see you i'm sure yes i
0: get to see grant i'll get to see martin flug who's the president i have not got to meet him yet so that'd be nice and they've been taking really good care of me they're really organized really good all right. Um, if you want to call in today, you know what our number is. It's 517-884-4321. Again, 517-884-4321. Dustin, as usual, is on the phone lines waiting for your call. If you want to mixlerize, Angelica is on the lines looking at that, and Walter is personing He's personing the uh, Gmail account, bvp at gmail.com. And so you can contact us that way as well. But we like for you to call in as usual. Remember, we are a talk show. We are a call in. Remember, what's the topic of this show?
1: Input and interaction.
0: Not quite, but yes. We're gonna oh, come. sorry. So we want some interaction from you all. Is what I'm saying. That's where I was headed with that. Walter. Oh, okay. But, but thank you anyway. Interaction. We want sure. your
1: input and we want your interaction there with us. There you go. Well
0: done. Gosh, God, it's like pulling teeth, but he got it. You know, so good. <laughs> thank you, Walter. Good.
1: Okay. (laughs) We are an input-based show, in fact, so call us with your input.
0: All right. Oh, guess what? We have to announce something. Dun, dun, dun. What are we announcing? We are announcing the winners of our (sighs) anniversary contest. Oh, yes. Yes. I forgot. We had the Diva Lip Sync contest, and we have two winners. Should I announce them?
2: I think you should, Is it time to announce them? I think it is.
0: Because it's going to go up any minute on Twitter, um, if Luca has already posted it. So, drum roll, please, the two of you we still don't have sound effects people so send us your money we need sound effects <laughs> okay so <laughs> okay so for the first remember we had two contests one is for someone who actually lip sync to a pop diva okay um, and that prize goes to Francesca Regalado rocking out to no doubt, hey baby by Gwen Stefani.
2: Yeah. That
0: go up. You've got to see it. It mm-hmm. is. To- I want to put this woman as a backup. I, I want to make her one of the inputs for my show when I take it on the road this spring. So Francesca, write to me. You're in. Okay. So you Fran- can have my spot, Francesca. Fran- no, no, no. She's gonna be right next to you. <laughs> so Francesca will be getting a prize for her diva lip sync. Um, so make sure you check it out. And our second contest was for someone lip syncing to me at the beginning of the show, doing the opening part, right? Mm-hmm. And this was a very clever winner that got this, um, because the person didn't do it herself, but she actually took a uh, still of Bette Midler and used Blabberize to make Bette Midler do me for a minute, which I thought was really clever. Remember that? was real thought it yeah. was really mm-hmm. clever. So anyway, so that prize goes to Connie Navarro. And so everybody go online um, or look at Twitter and Luca will be posting those. It'll be on our website as well. So congratulations to Francesca. Congratulations to Connie. You'll both be getting prizes from us in the mail sometime soon. And thank you for your interest in Tea with for being such good fans. And we'll have a contest. Maybe we'll have like a Thanksgiving contest or I haven't thought about it. Or before we, uh, before we go on hiatus mm-hmm. for the holiday yep, yep. contest. We'll think of something. Because we like it. We like to give our fans something to do. Like we don't give them enough to do, like read, talk about this stuff. Okay, we got our topic this week. The topic is about input. Specifically, the question I ask everybody to think about is, is input enough for language acquisition? And the follow-up is, what about interaction? And possibly even what about other things? So I'm going to go ahead and say a few things about this um, before the phones light up. This is a really, I'm going to say this because I think this is a really touchy, Topic or a touchy subject for lots of people, on both the theoretical and the applied side. Now, on the theoretical side, there is there is a si- significant nu- do you say a si- significant number of scholars, or there are a significant number of scholars?
1: There is a significant number.
0: You know that if you type that in, it does a little squiggle lines under is and words. I say what? I think, oh. But
2: I think you can argue for both
0: because it's like broken agreement. But anyway, okay. So, on the theoretical for side, there simple. is a significant number of scholars who claim that input is not enough that some kind of interaction is necessary. So what these people argue is that input is necessary, but it's not sufficient. And they argue that some kind of interaction is necessary for development, for language acquisition over time. Some even claim that some kind of focus on form or focus on vocabulary is necessary in addition to just interaction. But that's another topic. We'll save that for another day. Now, another group um, in both the research and and the, the theoretical and the applied side would claim that such interventions are beneficial. They help acquisition, but they're not necessary, with some caveats, which we can get to later. Then there's a very small group, I think it's a small group, um, uh, believe that such interventions are not even useful in a strict sense of the word. Um, And overall, I think the research, I'm going to say from my perspective looking at this research, and I'm not an expert in this field, but I've read a lot of it, is that I think the research is a bit problematic on a number of fronts, which we can get into as the show progresses. Um, Now, um, I think, First, that's the lay of the land. First, we have to ask ourselves what we mean by interaction. Do you know what interaction means, Walter? What do you mean by interaction,
1: BVP? Well, you Diva, know, I, that, was, I, I
0: that was I wasn't a rhetorical question. I was asking you. To, I was not baiting you to do that. <laughs> but I mean, because this is what's interesting is interaction. It's is you can ask yourself what does that mean? What do we mean by interaction? Um, We're not talking about forced output here. Uh, We're not talking about making people talk or making people practice. We're not doing that at all. We're talking about interaction as part as some expression, interpretation of meaning in the context of a classroom or out of the classroom. Uh, So we're talking about communication in which there is purposeful expression, interpretation of meaning. I personally mean by interaction the following, that two or more people demonstrate in some way that they indeed are focused on meaning making. So they demonstrate somehow their focus on meaning-making. That doesn't mean you have to talk. Because look, look, see what Angelica's looking. What's she doing? She's nodding her head. She is interacting with me, but she's not talking. So I think interaction could be saying something. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I could, no, what'd you say? It could be something like that. Um, it could be a gesture. Uh, it could be a look, a head nod. It could be all kinds of things. So I think interaction in this broadest sense means just demonstrating that you are involved in that meaning-making in some way. Research, however, all the research interaction tends to limit interaction to speaking. That is, the learner is somehow pr- producing output as part of this meaning-making. Now, my reading of the research suggests that interaction is limited in its effects. Now, um, we do have some experts around. Maybe they're going to call in today. They might disagree with me. But I actually just reread on this the other day. A very nice chapter, um, a 2012 chapter, in the Routledge Handbook, um, Second Language Acquisition. This chapter was written by Mackie, Abul and Gass. Uh, my colleague Susan Gass here and Alison Mackey's been on the show before. And they summarize the research on interaction to that point in time, which was three, four years ago, uh, or four or five years ago. And if I'm reading them correctly, and this, this looks like my reading of the literature over time as well, is that, that interaction is limited in what it affects. And what the research seems to show is that interaction may help, Se- if it's going to affect anything, help anything, it seems to affect vocabulary. Um, that that vocabulary is much more likely to be affected by interaction, by the learner being involved in speaking during conversation, than morphosyntactic features. So the grammatical parts of language are less susceptible to being um, boosted, if we want to call it, or aided or benefited by interaction. Again, that's my reading of it, but I, but I think I think that's I think that's what the literature actually says. Um, and of course, the problem with the research on the effects of interaction is that they all rely on short-term studies with relatively little work, if any work at all, on the longer-term effects of interaction. So we don't really have any research that shows that learner's interacting at a point in time that has any long-term effect. Um, these are all laboratory studies that turn to look at short-term effects and so on. Um, and this is a problem of research in general on any kind of SLA, where we try to do focused work. But um, I, I think what I'm gonna do is stop there. I, I think I've talked enough. I've got something else I wanna say I about- I think you've th- talked enough, too. <laughs> Oh, wow, geez. feisty. What <laughs> is <God>. this? <laughs> this is what happens when he doesn't eat lunch. I, remember earlier I know, was I was didn't like, eat lunch. Yeah. I'm a little feisty, sorry. <laughs> so just, any he's going to start gnawing on Attitude. my arm or something. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts in the studio again because it's so hot. He's going to look up my legs and start pouring some hot. <laughs> he's going to go into Hillary Clinton's purse and get that hot sauce out of there and start dumping it on my leg what? and chewing on there. It's like, my <laughs> God. What? Anyway, so if you want to talk to us, uh, I, I, there's some other things to say about this. I've got some ideas about this um, role of interaction, if it plays a role at all. We, As I said, I'll let it develop as the conversation pursues this hour. Uh, the number again to reach us is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And we have a caller on the phone right now. It looks like the caller's name is Brooke and Brooke is on the line, right, Brooke, are you there? I am there. Hey, Brooke, where are you calling from?
3: I am calling from St. Paul, Minnesota.
0: St. Paul, well, welcome to Tea with BBP.
3: Thank you. Am I
0: going to see you this next week when I'm there?
3: Uh, You better, I'm part of the board for MCTLC, so I was calling to tell you how much we're looking forward to having you come out to conference this year.
0: Oh, well, thank you, I'm excited about it, it's going to be fun. And they're working. Me, let me tell you, I'm doing it. It's our biggest conference
3: w- in five years. I've been part of the board for five years. And it's, it's huge. Well, <laughs> we good. have 45 sections, sessions, um, three different teachers of the year from Minnesota, Iowa, and uh, Wisconsin. So in addition to your lovely
0: presence. Well, great. Sounds like you all are doing great work up there.
3: Yeah, we try.
0: Well, good, good, good. So what's on your mind? Are you just calling to say hi, or you got something you want to talk uh,
3: about? That, and no, I just, I, I really enjoy your show. I, I Normally I teach during this hour, and I have to remember to tune in and listen to the recorded version, but we are on a long weekend for the State uh, language, uh, Educator Association Conference, so I actually could call in today.
0: Wow, so you get you get... Today and tomorrow, and then you get some time off next week for the Minnesota yes. conference as well? Wow. A different
3: kind of work next week, but okay. good, good stuff. Well, no, okay. I, uh, I recently switched my classroom in the past three or four years to being more uh, comprehensible input-based and focusing on second language acquisition research, and so I find um, your show super uh, informative and inspiring and, and really helps guide what I do in my classroom, and I appreciate it. Well, great.
0: Great. That's really nice there. Thank you for saying that. We appreciate that. Absolutely. And, Brooke, I look forward to seeing you next week.
3: Yeah, looking looking forward to meeting you.
0: God, I wish we have sound effects. I'd like to give her some applause. Everybody, give, her, give Brooke some applause for all the hard work she's doing in Minnesota. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Brooke. Okay, Thank you. Well, I'll Thank see you next much. week then. Okay, we'll have a drink together. Do you drink?
2: Yes, I do. Okay,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't drink much, but <laughs> I'll have. We don't ask those. Questions I'll have. Well, no, I've got. You know. <laughs> you know I, she just broadcasted to the whole world. Maybe yeah. she didn't want to. Well, she could have said, "I declined to comment." <laughs>
3: I I, I I am a heart-on-my-sleeve kind of person. I'll tell you <laughs> if I don't want to tell you. <laughs> See, there
0: you go. She's from Minnesota. Minnesota. Didn't you watch uh, Golden Girls? Remember uh, Rose Nylund from Minnesota? She just, yes. you know, she's got in there. <laughs> not. not quite like Sophia, but okay, Brooke. Not, not quite, no. Not quite like Sophia. Wonderful. Well, Wonderful. well, I'm looking forward to seeing you all next week. Wonderful. It'll be fun. Okay, thanks a lot. Take bye, care. Bye, okay. Bye, now. Right.
1: Bye-bye. Great.
0: All right. Oh, we got some, before we get a, I think we got some more phone calls coming in, and then um, I'm gonna give the SLA question here in a minute, too. But we got some hot off the press stuff from Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. (laughs) Tweet, tweet. Twitter, Twitter. Um, Remember, we asked everybody to comment on this. We did a survey, online survey. Is input enough for language acquisition? And Luca gathered data on this. I won't tell you how many people voted or responded, but is input enough for language acquisition? 36% 36% said yes, 64% said no. So I expect those 64% to call in and tell me why. They think input is not enough for language acquisition. We did have uh, one person here, um, Longinus, Longinus, um, who said that I guess that depends on what you mean by interaction, which we just talked about, at the, you know, I just talked about a few minutes ago. It does depend on what you mean by interaction. So, um, and I think interaction... Is critical for learners. I'll say this real quick. Uh, this is one of the things I would hope will come out during the show, but I'll say it right now. Input is only critical to the extent of for learners if we want them to get comprehensible input. That means that learners have to signal to us somehow that they can comprehend something. If they can't comprehend something, then that means it's incomprehensible input, but we don't want it to be incomprehensible. So that's why I said by by interaction I mean any kind of demonstration. It could just be a blank look on your face. That's interaction to me. Then that means I've got to do something with my language to get yeah, like you're doing right now, Walter. Like you, you know, twenty-three-seven. You do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so wait. So so um, and then we have um, what else do we have on the Twitter press here? Um, we have Senor Schwab, who says, I guess this will be a point in which T with BVP differs from First, For Stephen, crash negotiation meaning is useful when it elicits more CI. I actually don't disagree with Steve. I don't think we disagree on this at all. I- interaction, for me, is all about the learner. I mean, I think there are some arguments you might make. I don't want to make them anymore, um, although I may have made them in the past. That interaction, you know, you producing language might... Help you with fluency. I don't know about that, but it doesn't help you with anything else. That's not getting language. That's doing something. That's skill building. Um, But I agree with Steve that that what I just said is is that learner signaling through some channel, some means, demonstrating comprehension, non-comprehension, gets them um, the kind of input they need. And by being part of an interaction, gets them more input. So um, so there's lots of things to look at here. But um, what we're again just reminder we're not talking about forcing learners to talk. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actual conversational kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, oh, I got to do the SLA question, right?
2: Yeah. Should I do the SLA question? Yeah.
0: This is this is this is topical. I can rub this on my skin. This mm-hmm. is a top. This is a topical question. Okay. Here's the SLA challenge question for you people out there. What scholar, what second language acquisition scholar, originated the interaction hypothesis in the early 1980s? Again, what SLA scholar originated the interaction hypothesis in the early 1980s? So think about that. You got you can call us within the next 10 minutes. That's it. That's an easy one. You can Googleize that if you don't already know at the top of your head. Any of you SLA kids out there should know the answer to that already. That's, that should be on your your PhD exams. Your oh, NA it's exams. rolling in on Mixler. I tell you, right? Well, they had to call in. Don't mixlerize it. Okay, we got a caller from all the way from the great state of Hawaii. We have got Reed calling from Honolulu. Reed, are you there?
4: Yeah, hi. I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Hey, Reed, I can hear you just fine.
4: Great. So, um, so I'm a I'm a graduate student, just like you just mentioned. Um, well, that's a good thing. Corpus linguistics, yeah, corpus and language development. And uh teaching Chinese one oh one, working with the curriculum group from my university to try and change how uh to get a proficiency based at the university level, which is a great endeavor, I think. And uh doing some side work working with second and third graders after school in and immersion program to kind of see how kids differ from adults. So I'm just getting myself aware as aware as possible of all this. But I have sort of a professional question uh, in terms of what interaction means to administrators or, or people who see interaction as meaning peer interaction. A lot of a lot of, that seems to be a common assumption I see, where when people are training teachers or they're saying, here's what we, here's our look for is in the classroom, they're saying um, the students, we want to see evidence of interaction in the classroom, and that means students in pod groups or students in pairs talking to each other. And even, I'm looking at a Pauline Foster article in front of me right now from 2014 titled A Place for Teacher Talk in Interactive Foreign Language Classrooms. And even her way of talking about the teacher talk, she's still just saying lectures, or she's still just saying teachers do have a role in that she said there's no evidence that learning from lectures produces any different results from other kinds of learning. So there's there's a need for research in this. But really even she is assuming that teacher talk equates to lectures mm-hmm. and she doesn't seem to assume that interaction with the teacher, because the teacher is a human being, should include interaction the same as peer interaction, that it's all interaction. So I don't know if you have any insight on this or any thoughts on that.
0: Well, this is why we always go back to principles, Reed. So one of the principles I tell people about and working with in my book is principle number two, which is if you're going to have a communicative classroom, you better have a definition of communication. And that definition mm-hmm. is the expression and interpretation of meaning in a given context. And sometimes negotiation follows if there's non-comprehension or there's a problem with, with that expression and interpretation. Otherwise, there's no negotiation, right? But it means expression, interpretation of meaning. So if the teacher is expressing meaning, the learners are interpreting meaning. You've got something going on there. That does not necessarily mean lecturing. Um, that mean that means that it could be um, a teacher actually interacting with students in the sense of conversing with. I taught. I just uh, my graduate class on language teaching. We had a, the topic yesterday was input actually, and the rule of thumb, the little phrase I like to use with teachers in training and training and new people is you talk with students. You don't talk at students. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk, and, and the other rule of thumb I, I say is if you say more than two or three sentences before the st- you involve the students, then you're doing something wrong. So, and that's just that's just a little helpful hint for teachers. And so let's say I'm doing something with my, my unit today is um, I'm going to tell you what's in my closet And then you're gonna figure out what that says about my personality. Okay, so that's that's sort of the topic we're on today. And the general the general unit we're working on that week is the relationship between what we wear and what it tells about us. More generally, we'll get to so. But today it's gonna be about me. I always start with me because you always can do that. And so I might say in my in my closet I have forty pairs of shoes. Forty pairs of shoes. That is would that not true? be an exaggeration, I'm sure. Actually, I have more than forty pairs oh of shoes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> okay, so I would say that. So what's w- that say about him? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so I would turn to Angelica in class. Angelica, how many pairs of shoes do you have in your closet? Oh,
2: maybe twenty.
0: Maybe twenty. Walter, how many pairs of shoes do you have ah. in your closet? Two. Uh, four, maybe. Four, maybe Five? four pairs. Okay, how many in the classroom have forty pairs of shoes <laughs> like me? Raise your hand. See, uh, and see what I've done there is I've, I, I, I launched the topic. But then I immediately went to the students and I'm interacting with them. And that's part of mm-hmm. what being comprehensible and interacting with means. That doesn't mean Angelica is talking about shoes. Um, or But she's, she's supplying some kind of information. And if she says it in English, I don't care. I'll just recast it in Spanish or whatever. But so, so interaction can mean student-teach interaction. And for the lower levels, that's the kind of interaction you want. Because students can't interact yet on their own. They can't put them in groups to do what? When they can say uh, hola. You know, or where they can say, <laughs> I don't do Chinese yeah. reads, so, um, you know, they, they can say hi. Mm-hmm. They can say, you know, mm-hmm. what they can interact hao, in or Ni on? Yeah. So I think, and there's another issue here, too, that I think we need to talk about. If I can probably get this off my chest a little bit here. As I read, I won't say where, but there is a group out there that has taken this notion of negotiation of meaning and interaction to mean to actually codify it into best practices, or core practice, whatever you want to call it, that students students must negotiate meaning in the classroom. Now, you can't make anybody negotiate meaning. You negotiate meaning when there's a comprehension problem, or when there's a lack of communication. That's when you negotiate, but you can't make people negotiate. So I think what we've got going on, Reed, between parents and administrators, and then some of our own professionals is a warping of some of these terms that we need to k- keep our constructs clear and hone in all the time, and tell them no, this this is what interaction is, this is this is what negotiation is, and this is what happens, and then show them that that's what's going on in our classes. So, hmm. if I understand you correctly, I think that you're trying to show that a classroom like yours is highly interactive, even though the students aren't doing pair work. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah, and not just me. There's there's a, a there needs to be breathing space for a lot of teachers.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. So, yeah. Yeah.
4: I have an answer to the SLA challenge question, unless you want to pass it on to someone else.
0: Well, I don't know. Let me just see. Do we have a caller for the SLA challenge? Well, then we'll go ahead and give it to you. Um, we got a couple (laughs) of callers lined up, but none of them are signaling the SLA challenge question. So let me repeat the question, and then you can answer it, Reed. Okay? Okay, hey, great. Uh, this will be part of your PhD exams. You want me on your committee? <laughs> you want me on your committee? Okay, here we go. Oh,
4: I would love that. I love that, but I already have uh, already it. <laughs> Oh look at that. I already <laughs> have some. no no uh-uh, I don't need you.
0: Uh, well to heck with you, Reed. I'm not reading the question, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> no, no. okay, so here's the question. What SLA scholar originated the interaction hypothesis in the early nineteen eighties? Reed, the answer is.
4: Oh, okay. I was gonna say Michael Long.
0: Michael Long. Do you have a middle initial? There are a lot of Michael Longs out there. <laughs>
4: Oh, no. uh, the one and only Michael Long of, of the task-based language teaching? Michael H. Long. Ding ding, the, ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Poor one. guy. <laughs> Actually, yes. Uh, Michael Mike originated this uh, the interaction hypothesis back in 1981. Actually, in his dissertation before that, but he wrote a really well-known chapter for a book in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences in 1981 that you can find in Wiley Online Library. I highly recommend that to everybody. Um, and so, yes, Reed, you passed your right. qualifying exams here with me. <laughs> well, okay, so make thank sure you. you stay in the line and give Dustin your information if you haven't done that already. And okay. then hopefully I'll see you at some conference or we'll see you somewhere soon. All right?
4: I'll be at Actville, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh,
0: I'll look for you. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, don't forget we're live, T with BBP on Saturday at ACTFL at 3 o'clock in the Exhibit Hall. So make sure okay, you're great. there. Be there or be square. All right. Okay. okay thanks. See All you. right, Reed. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Reed. All right. Chinese teachers. Yes, I love that. He teaches Chinese and teaches it to kids, too. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So where are we? Do we have any mixlerized questions or anything going on before I uh, ask Walter about his read of the week?
2: Yeah. So there have been some conversations about what you do with heritage speakers who, um, you know, go home and don't want to speak the language with their parents. And one uh, person said, a Schweitzer, he, she said, I've experienced that as well with heritage speakers who tell me that they comprehend more or less everything, but they say they don't speak the language. What is is that a reason for, what, what, what?
0: Is there a reason for that?
2: Yeah, what's the reason for that and what implications does that have for the CI classroom?
0: I I don't know if it has any implications for the CI classroom because... um, the, I've always maintained that speaking is just something separate from getting language. You've got to get language in your head if you're going to speak. I mean, you can't speak without a language in your head, right? And that, that's what we've always maintained. You have to build your mental representation over the time. And from that mental representation, bit by bit, you tap it over time. And you know, this is why language looks the way it does coming out of your mouth over time. Um, but speaking and using that system is a separate skill, a separate set of procedures and processes that's completely different from getting language in your head. And I honestly don't know why... That's true. I mean, I, I'm a heritage language speaker, and I have a number of cousins in my family who don't speak Spanish, but they understand everything that's said in front of them. And my sister's like that. She barely speak Spanish, but she understands everything in Spanish now. But my sister was a, 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 a different case because she grew up with Spanish first. And then they beat Spanish out of her when she got to school because she was the oldest grandchild. And back in those days in California, they didn't have bilingual eds. They used to hit her with a ruler and... They sent her to speech ed class because they didn't know what to do with her because she didn't speak English and so on. So she has, I think, probably affective reasons why that goes on. So, and I think for a lot of kids too that are heritage speakers, there might be affective social things going on in terms of willingness to speak. It's not that they can't speak. It really is a willingness to speak, and it's almost like you just clam up, and it's like, I'm not going to do that because that's not a prestige language, or that's, that's my home language, not my public language. You know, who, know, who knows why? Not, I don't do that kind of research, but my guess is that that's part of it, at least. I don't think it's a linguistic issue, or a psycholinguistic issue. I think it has to do, it's probably more social and personal than anything else. But um, So, yeah. Um, it doesn't mean much for the CI classroom, because the CI classroom is going to be what it is, and we've got to give those students input, so they're their language can grow all right so oh we got another caller on the line already let's take the caller before we go to walter you don't mind waiting to do your little reading statement. of course i don't mind you want to want to want to say who the next caller is i hope you don't mind i hope i do mind don't sing oh sorry who's the, who's the our next? our caller
1: call? is amos from washington state
0: yeah, yeah. Amos, are you there
1: amos yes i am
0: hey amos welcome to t with bp how are you doing
5: uh very good thank you
0: how's life in seattle
5: uh, it's good. Um, it's very good. The rainy months are starting, though. So well, um, you
0: guys just had we're... a humongous storm this week, right?
5: Um, that's what they said on the on the weather channel, but it was a dud.
0: Oh, really? They're yeah, making it, it look dud. like it They're making it look like the first wave of the apocalypse, with you know gusty winds <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and the space needle was <laughs> yeah. gonna fall over, and you know waves crashing yeah, on no, Puget no, Sound.
5: No, it was it was uh, it was pretty mild. So I think. Uh, we were we were a little disappointed, actually.
0: Oh no! Don't be. Well, we're glad you're safe and sound, Amos. We're glad that nothing yeah, happened well, to you and anybody thanks. in Seattle. So that's that's always a good thing. So, what are you calling about? What's up?
5: Well, so I um, uh, I love um, uh, all the the theories that I'm reading and implementing in my class, um, specifically with comprehensible input. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I struggle with some certain ideas. Um, I I have kind of a unique uh, situation at the high school where I teach. Um, my spanish 4 class i get three sources of students so i see traditional language students who have gone up you know spanish 1 2 and 3 and then are in 4 i have students who have gone through an immersion program so they've had they've been immersed in spanish at least for part of their education from kindergarten up until high school gotcha. and then i also have native spanish speakers and we mix them all up in the same class which actually has some really strong um uh, effects. But one of the things that I see, so thinking about comprehensible input, I get kids that have these different experiences with comprehensible input. So I get to kind of, you know, see what the effects of their different situations have on their, their ability. And I I wonder um, about comprehensible input. Will will anything? Will anyone ever acquire something as complex as, for example, the plus quamperfecto del sucomptivo and the uh, hypothetical situations that it allows you to express uh, without some kind of explicit instruction, because I see kids that have had Spanish and they may be, uh, understand it uh, they may be able to have a very high level of comprehension they've they've been immersed in Spanish for twelve years um, or maybe a little bit less um, and they still can't express themselves in this way um, and so i'm wondering doesn't that doesn't the first language Interfere with their second language acquisition. I wonder if you know their their pathways and their ways of understanding language continually um, interfere with that. If I'm not giving them specific instruction and at least some of the more complex
0: forms. Okay, let, let's back up here a little bit and, and remind sure. ourselves of a couple of things, um, Amos. Um, let's leave the L1 aside for a minute, their first language stuff for a minute. Um, okay. With so uh, the. What I'm hearing is that you're saying after all this immersion, after all this time, they don't seem to have certain things, right? Yes. Okay, so let's look at first language acquisition um, mm-hmm. for speakers of Spanish. Do you know when it is that first language learners get the plus quan for example?
5: No, I don't.
0: Well after they start school. Mm-hmm. So imagine the child, Spanish speaking, how many hours of exposure interaction that child has had with a language mm-hmm. Before the plus quam perfectus, or everybody who wants to know what that is in English, by the way, that's the past perfect. Um, yeah. So the past perfect starts to come out. And if you're talking about the subjunctive as well, though, I think you actually said the past uh-huh. perfect for the subjunctive. So, like, right. if I yeah. had been blah, blah, blah. Because there wow. are cognitive notions there as well. Um, so, if that is very late acquired in first language acquisition after thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. Mm-hmm. then why would we expect that to somehow miraculously appear any sooner for a student of a second language um, mm-hmm. that ha- that doesn't have possibly even the same quality of input? Because you got to remember right. th- that what first language learners get also is literacy. And literacy right. has a tremendous impact on Um, what happens with their language once because there's lots of pieces of language that aren't part of oral language I mean they're technically they're there but they're not really they're really they're more I don't say they're literary but they're more geared toward written language and so we don't see those appear until late and it's partly development literacy and so I don't know what these people are you have in your class and I don't what kind of immersion they have what they're Uh reading what they're doing what their language experience is but um, we always have to be careful when we do these comparisons because right. we always want to say Russian and say, now we got to teach this because they're not getting it. Well, right. when do they get it in the first language? You know, And so I'm actually going to be talking about this tomorrow at the Bilingualism Forum in Chicago because I think this is one of the issues with SLA research. We right away jump and say, oh, we've got to do something we never stop to look at really what happens in first language acquisition and how it happens. Here's something for you. You want to know something about first language acquisition in English? Yes. Simple past tense with ED on verbs and versus irregular. So watched and talked versus ate and went. Uh Uh-huh. Do you know when children get those down and they have the past tense finally under control? I do not. About the age of five. Mm Mm-hmm. And so think about how many, how long, and this is just simple past tense talking about what you ate last night, where you went, what you watched, and so on. So past tense starts to set in around the age of three, and then it it takes them another two years to get all these, the the irregular and irregular sorted out and to actually get it all under control. That's an awfully long time to get something as simple as the past tense. So, and you hear from ESL teachers, oh my God, they're not getting the past tense, I got to teach them the past tense. Well, looks mm-hmm. like la- la- how long it takes to learn the first language when there's no first language interference. So now I'm going get ba- now I'm tying back into your L1 L- interference, okay? Right. So right. we always look to the L1 interference as a possible problem. What, I'm not saying it isn't. It, there's probably something there to that. But we also have to stop and look at first language acquisition to remind ourselves mm-hmm. how these things play out over time because we're impatient. In L2 acquisition, we're impatient, right? We want them to get mm-hmm. it. Right, um, right. And uh, there's some things maybe they shouldn't get, or <laughs> well, they won't get so, for a long time.
5: A, yeah, does the research show that, um, is there research that, that shows that you can't speed this kind of thing up, um, even if you do give them a little, and I'm talking about some specific targeted um, explicit instruction for areas that you know that are just tricky for, you know, uh, L1 uh, English speaker uh, learning Spanish. But see, is there any research that suggests that you can't, those things up a little bit by giving them a little specific instruction?
0: Well, he, he, There's no research that actually shows that the explicit instruction itself speeds it up. Because the research mm-hmm. is always messed up by again, guess what? Literacy. Because um, the research that speaks to some of these things um, often involves um, comparing classroom and non-classroom learners and so on. And the problem with classroom learners is as they get more advanced um, they get much more elaborated text to read, and they get a, high, they get a much more rich right. and, and elaborated input than you get at lower mm. levels and so on. And so I'm not sure that it's explicit instruction and practice that gets them anything as it is right. making them read stuff, and, the, and they're engaged yeah. in the reading. So reading as input, remember, oral interaction or oral input gets you so much language. There's not, there's not everything is present in oral input interaction that is, that is the totality of language. And so, and through written discourse, we you know we use other devices that are much more not not much more frequent, but they happen to be more frequent in the written text than they are in oral language. And so, um, engagement with reading is something that helps push some of those things along. I don't, I'm not sure it's explicit stuff that's going to do that. So maybe thinking about reading things, and then yeah. Yeah, and we're going to have a show on Focus on Form again. That's, we talked a little bit about it last year. We're going to talk about that and why, why explicit instruction is out, but maybe, maybe, with a maybe, Focus on Form might be useful. If, if anything is going to be useful, it's going to be Focus on Form, but not explicit instruction per se. So.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, th- that's great. Then um, I can't wait for that episode.
0: Okay, well, great. Well, stay tuned, and we'll try to get that for you, okay? Okay, thanks very much. Well, thanks for calling in, Amos. Thanks, Amos. Take Bye. care. All right. Um, before we. Walter, can I get the Diva Challenge question before? Because look, I'm just looking at the clock. I want to make sure. You sure, sure I get, can. I'm going to get the Diva Challenge question before Walter gives us his
1: reading of the week. Wow, time is flying by. I know. Mm. I tell you, man. I tell you.
0: Okay, so here we go. Diva Challenge question. You ready out there, audience? Which pop diva won a Golden Globe for her role in the fifth season of American Horror Story. Again, which pop diva won a Golden Globe for her role in the fifth season of American Horror Story? Now I know y'all out there. Someone out there knows that answer. I know. He didn't say it was an easy one. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, I think it's easy. I know all these things. Walter, well, I'm like eight times your age. Okay? Come on, please. Okay. Eight times. Eight times your age. So tell me what you're reading these days, Walter. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what reading you have for us.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen. Today I have a reading for you, and it was written by someone you might know. Well, actually, I should say it wasn't written, but the um, the book that it's coming from uh, was edited by a man named Bill Van Patten. And the chapter in this book that I'm going to draw your attention to uh, was written by a previous guest on Tea with BVP and a future guest on Tea with BVP. Ooh. Ooh. Any guesses what it is? Ooh. I don't know. That's all right. All right, so the book is called Theories in Second Language Acquisition, and it was written by Bill Van Patten and Jessica Williams. And the article that I'm going to draw your attention to is Chapter 10, I guess not the article, the chapter, chapter 10. It's called Input, Interaction, and Output in Second Language Acquisition. And uh, so this was uh, pulled together in 2015, so it's pretty up-to-date, and I would recommend it. It's written by Susan Gass, who's here with us at Michigan State and will be our guest uh, our guest on T with BVP at Actful this year. And Allison Mackey, who was a guest of ours this past year season, right? So, yeah. um So I recommend it. If you can get the book, take it out from the library or put interlibrary loan or however you can get it or buy it online or something. And this is actually the second edition that came out in 2015. So Theories in Second Language Acquisition by Bill Van Patten and Jessica Williams. The article, uh, Input, Interaction, and Output in Second Language Acquisition by Susan M. Gass and Allison Mackey. Voila! Thank you. Thank you for the plug in our book, too. That's actually a great—well, all the chapters
0: are good, and that chapter is particularly good. One thing I like about Sue and, and Allison, the way they talk about stuff, is how cautious they are and very—circumspect the word. They don't overstate the case. They're always, you know, they're always err on the side of caution rather than launching out there and saying, it must be this way. Um, they're good researchers that way, and
1: they're, they're, they're good to talk to about stuff.
0: Okay, Um, any questions come in on Mixler or email before we move along here?
1: I've got some email questions.
0: You do have some email questions? I do, and I have one here. They're
1: good ones. This is a good one. I hope. It's that not you, too long, is you it? Will think it's not too long. Okay. Sometimes we get questions that are books, and I can't I know. I feel sorry. Online, I've read so. some <laughs> of the questions on uh, after you, after the show's over. I go through the email with you, and I go, oh,
0: my God, that question's so long. That person, I need to write to them. But then I don't have time to answer the question through email either so long. So just a word out there for you all. If you want to write to us, try to keep your questions short. you get a better chance to get them answered on the air.
1: Okay. Go ahead. All right. So this is from Nina. Yay, Nina. And Nina is from California. Yay, Nina, my home state. And... <laughs>
0: Are we, are we excited? Go grizzly bears. I mean, what?
2: just a little excited. Brown
0: bears, actually.
1: All right. Moving right along here. She says, aren't tasks output? If we only acquire languages through input, when we understand what we hear and what we read, a la question, why do we have them do tasks? Or when would tasks be appropriate? I assume only after we've prepared them with enough input? Dot, 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 question mark. Aha. Let's
0: examine the assumption that tasks are output. In my book, that will be coming out sometime this next year, um, the, I talk about two kinds of tasks, input-oriented tasks and output-oriented tasks. So it's not necessarily the case that you have output-oriented tasks. You can, of course, but you can have input-oriented tasks. And the example I give is uh, a task where um, learners are trying to find out about um, what, um, you, uh, how, how maybe how connected people were. Uh, or are connected in terms of technology and, and online stuff. And it's a series of five statements. And what you do in the first step is you read the statement. The teacher goes over the statements, reads them out loud to people so they know what, how they sound, what they are. Uh, and the student just checks. This is true for me, and it's not true for me. Just checks the ones. And then the student goes and has, in step two, those statements are converted to questions. So Walter now has on his thing, he just reads out loud to Angelica, did you X last night? And Angelica goes, no. And so he doesn't check that one. Then Walter goes, okay, did you blank last night? She goes, yes. So Walter just so Walter is not creating any output. He's just reading off the page. So it's input to him. It's input on Galica. And all that Walter does afterwards is he rates her on a scale of one to five about how connected she was. He's going to sum up the points that she got for how much time she did read Facebook, how much time she spent texting, how much time she did, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then so when I call on Walter to, to tell us what he learned, he's, he, all he has to say in Spanish to me is, Angelica's a four. And we go, okay. And so we start. And so that's an input oriented task where, this, where the, the, you keep the creation of language minimal for students, and what they're getting off the page really is input for them. OK? And again, that's also a task you prepare them. But you can't just let them do that. You've got to prepare that task through oral in, input and other kinds of things before you do that task. And again, you could take that task and make it an output-oriented task for a higher level where they actually have some language ability. Um, so it just depends. Uh, tasks aren't necessarily output-oriented. So that's a good question, and I'm glad she asked that. That really qualifies, uh, not qualifies, really clarifies. That clarifies the issue, I think, on tasks. I think, um, I think tasks get a bad rap. Because people see them only as one kind of thing. Like what Reed called not Reed was it? Yeah, Reed called about. Was it Reed who called about the student student interaction, the pair work? Yeah. Sure. That <laughs> 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 what was that called before Reed. Somebody called. There's
1: me? Reed and Amos called and who else called today?
0: Amos was after Reed.
1: Amos was after Reed? Maybe
0: it was at, I can't, I can't well <laughs> we're all having Alice mindset. <laughs> that, that idea that pair work is the definitive way, that's, that's what interaction is. And we're saying, no, interaction doesn't have to be interaction. Broadly defined means this one that this thing. That was Reed, yeah, from Honolulu. Yeah. That right. one thing. And so, therefore, the same thing with tasks. Tasks don't mean any one particular thing. They can mean a number of things. Um, so, okay. All right. Angelica, do you have a quote for us?
2: I certainly do. Oh, yes. yes. Quote me something, please. I I Quote shall. the raven nevermore. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so, the article is uh, from the Modern Language Journal from 1998. And it is titled The Role of Input and Interaction in Second Language Acquisition. And this is actually the introduction to the special issue. It was co-authored by yours truly, Susan Gass, and Alison Mackey, just heard those names, haven't we? Hmm. And also I tell Teresa Pito. What a
0: surprise. If you, if you do anything about input interaction, you got you to gotta look at those people. They they're They're the bomb. Go ahead.
2: And so here's the quote. Although interaction may provide a structure that allows input to become salient and hence noticed, interaction should not be seen as a cause of acquisition. It can only set the scene for potential learning. As Long has pointed out, there are many factors involved in L2 learning. The role of interaction is claimed only to be facilitative.
0: There we go. That's facilitative. The, uh, That's a quote I like. That's, see, interaction is facilita- facilitative. facilitative.
2: I say that however you pronounce it. It
0: beneficial. It okay. helps, exactly. Yeah, but not necessarily but beneficial. So that, that, that kind of quote. And and that what year was that article? Nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen
1: ninety eight. I'm surprised you didn't know what year that article was. Usually you can spout it off like actually that. I did know I was trying see oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was being a
0: teacher and eliciting something I, of course I knew it was 1998 I could even tell you it was in the modern language journal it was a special issue I know everything well, just said that. I know but I was I was zoning out because I was trying to get Dustin's attention so. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed that part when she said that so <laughs> all right oh, well okay well we got another caller coming in um and this is uh, Isenor from Indiana. Is that right? Isenor, are you on the phone? Yes. Hey, Isenor, Hi. did I say your name correctly?
6: Yes. It's with diacritical S, Aisha. Oh, but I I-sh- have to misspell my name constantly for the...
0: <laughs> Isenor. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks for calling in.
6: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: What can we do for you? Um,
6: I
2: would
0: like to answer your pop quiz question. <gasps> Ooh, <Yeah. yes. laughs> oh, my gosh. Great. The, see, Walter, she's from Indiana. She lives in Indiana, and she's got pop culture. See that, Walter?
1: <laughs> just What's that have to do with anything?
0: Yeah, because, you know, you're from New York, the state that's supposed to be the center of the world. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, right. I'm from upstate New York. Oh, just okay. Just remember. Right. Well, I wouldn't even call it upstate New York, but uh, what the rest of the world would consider upstate New York.
0: Okay, well, Ashner, we're going to give you, I'm going to repeat the question and then we'll let okay. you answer it. Okay, so here's the question for the audience again Which mm-hmm. pop diva won a Golden Globe for her role in the fifth season of American Horror Story? And the answer is, take it away, Ashner. The answer
6: is Lady Gaga. Yay!
0: Lady ding, Gaga. Ding, 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 ding. That's true. Yes, 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 yes. She got mixed reviews, but she still got a Golden Globe on that. So good for you. Yeah. Are you an American Lady Horror Gaga. Story fan? Do you like watching that?
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Actually, I am not, but I happened to watch the actual uh, uh, award ceremony, so that's how I remember it.
0: Well, <laughs> good for you. See, she didn't have to look it up. People out there in the audience, she actually knew. No,
6: yeah. Good for but you. But I, I, haven't watched it. Should I watch it?
0: <laughs> you should, but you have to start at the beginning, and watch the first couple of seasons because they all kind of they're weird, and then they they're, they're going to tie them together at some point. So
1: I didn't okay. have to look it up either. I found out from Isonor. She yeah. let me know. Yes, yeah, you're probably
0: up. looking at my page here.
1: <laughs> if
6: there's a lot of comprehensible input in there, I will definitely check it out.
0: <laughs> Isenar, I'll tell you what. If you can answer the following question, I'll send you an extra present, an extra prize. How's oh, that?
6: my God. I'm excited now.
0: Okay, here we go. <laughs> do you know Lady Gaga's real name?
6: Um, I think uh, Germanina Stefani Germanina or something.
0: Well, okay. I'll send you half of a present.
6: <laughs> oh, I, mean, I know she's Italian American. Yeah, it's,
0: but I... it's Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata.
6: Oh, okay. Oh my
0: cool. goodness, I it's didn't. Know Stephanie that. Joanne Angelina Germanata. Yes, that's her real name. Hmm. So, so we're so stay on the line with Dustin and make sure he gets all your information if you didn't get it already for us to mail okay. a present. And I'll send you a little half a present on the side as well. Okay?
6: Oh, thank you very much. Well, it's thanks for calling in. To talk to you. Okay.
1: Thanks for listening to our show. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Have a great okay. day. Bye, Bye. Thank
6: you. You too, everybody. Bye. 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 That was
0: good. See, she knew. She's. We got some pop culture people out there. They don't have to Googleize anything. She. She's. She watches TV. Walter. Did
1: anyone even? Did anyone put the answer on on uh, Mixler or no? Yes. Oh yeah. Only many,
2: one though. No. Only one.
1: Who, Only who one else? Person. Who
0: answered it on Mixler? Do we know who that person is?
2: Senora Levites.
0: Senora Levites. I don't know who that is. All right. All right. How about another email question, Walter? I have
1: another I'm email question. I'm just sitting question. here. I'm just
0: sitting here waiting for something to do. and waiting for the calls to come in.
1: So. All right. Well, this is um, from Nathan in Minnesota. He says, I teach level one German and Spanish. Hey. Very nice. Wow. My colleagues and I spend a tremendous amount of time in the first trimester. It sounds like... Pregnancy or something, but I'm <laughs> guessing that they mean <laughs> of, of, the, of the academic Walter, year. Walter, I didn't expect tri- you to go there, but tri- I... Didn't. Well, I've... Okay, anyway. First trimester providing comprehensible input, often at the expense of output or tasks. We use TPR, TPRS, PQA, and a lot of circling. Later in the year, students read two novels from TPRS publishing, but there's a good deal more in the way of tasks and output. Our assumption is that comprehensible input has more value than output or tasks in a level one course, especially early on. Are we on the right track or are we misguided? And then here's a uh, he wrote something for you in German, and I'm going to do my very best to read it for you, Angelica. Welche Fisch erledigt den meisten am Tag? It's a joke. It's a question. I don't know. Should I just email it to you? Okay, that was was so bad. Did you get it?
2: Something about what 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 fish yeah. does something most of the day.
1: Welche Fish erledigt. I don't know how you'd say that. Then meisten am Tag.
2: I don't know what the verb is. Okay, Walter. Okay. Sounds
0: well, like you, you have go. a sore throat. Okay, okay so well, I'm ready to give here you. Here, I'll cough show drop. it to you.
1: I'm ready to give you a cough drop after that. Answer so. the question now, Bill. I
0: forgot the question. <laughs> You've been on that. Are they on the right track? Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, I don't like to, to be so categorical about things. Um, again, I just said that tasks can be input tasks. So there's no reason why in level one he can't be doing input tasks along with his CI. I'll let input tasks drive what I do. Um, and so, um, you know, it just depends. It just depends. Um, they're not on the wrong track, and I think the way they have divided up is perfectly fine. If it makes sense to them and it works, that's fine. Um, again, remember there are no rules here like this. Um, if you've got some principles you're working by and you flesh out your curriculum, then that should be okay. All right. Oh, we got to take another phone call here because look at the time. The and time the is flying. And the joke
2: is funny. Welcher Fisch erledigt am meisten am Tag? Der Thunfisch. The toonfish, I get it. Okay.
0: Okay. Let me take this <laughs> caller because we're going <laughs> to hang up on this caller in a minute if we don't take it. We've got a caller from New Jersey. We have Fritzy. Fritzy from New Jersey. Fritzy, are you on the line? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Hey, Fritzy. That's kind of a cool name. I've never heard that name before.
6: Oh goodness. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, um, it's German, and it's just a nickname. Um, my good Catholic name is Mary Frances, but I've gone by Fritzy ever since I came out of the womb.
0: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start calling you Mary Fritzy. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. <laughs> All right. Okay, Fritzy. What can we do for you?
6: I just had a quick question. Okay. Um, it's it's just basically about you know, I, I'm a I'm an ESL teacher and um I work with young, young, young children a lot of the time. And I just wondered if you have any thoughts about, you know, the tendency for teachers of, of young children when they're when they're teaching about letter sounds and everything like that you know, we always tell them that, like, A is for apple, ah, 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 and that A makes this sound. I just wondered, do you believe that letters make sounds?
0: Of course they don't. <laughs> letters don't do anything. They sit on a page, and, and they represent things. Um, so, and they can represent multiple sounds. Not Yeah, so they represent things, but they don't make anything, so.
6: So, if I were really wanting to be some kind of, like, a a freedom fighter with a school, you know, what could I do to, it just seems that the whole um, educational industry, if you want to call it that, is so focused on this um, that, you know, what other kinds of ways um, to teach this if not to keep going by this really, you know, prescriptive... Well,
0: let me just tell you um, real quick, because we're, we're running out of time here, but I'll tell you, there's actually research on this, and it's been around since for a long time, for decades, that you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to teach alphabet or phonics to kids. Um, they get it through reading. And so um, you have to work with the printed page, and, and I can't go into any more detail, so, but because we're just about out of time. So, But there is research out there. There's research out there, Fritzy. So um, if you okay. send, send an email, and I'll see if I can dig it up for you. But I can send you some source, or I can send you at least some names to, to, to Google. OK?
6: That would be great. Thank you. All right.
0: Bye, Fritzy. Bye, Fritzy. Thanks for Bye. coming in, Fritzy. Have a great day. Yay. Call from New Jersey. Matt will be happy. Well, before we sign out, I got to let people know that um, if they're on Twitter, they need to look at the photo, the little video of Dustin, our phone handler that's floating around there on Twitter right now. And uh, it's kind of fun. Get to check out the shirt he's wearing. And also, make sure you go on the our website twithbbb.com and check out the diva lip sync winners. Is I don't know if that's on the website or in Twitter or both. But anyway, so I, I'm gonna assume it's gonna be both. Yeah, it's on both. Okay, so I'm gonna wrap up here. I gotta give our acknowledgements. Um, thanks once again to our technical producer Daniel Trego. Our media producer, Luca Giappone, the talented and trusty call handler and our favorite T-shirt wearer, Dustin DeFelice, our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, who's back there with everybody else, the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our dean, Christopher Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, always we thank who Walter, Angelica, our listeners. Yay! Okay, stay tuned followers. on Twitter and everywhere else to see what our topic will be next week. We're going to surprise you. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest, I will consider it. Send that in the next 24 hours. Until next week, have a great weekend. Have a great beginning of next week. And happy second language acquisition to everybody.
1: Goodbye, everybody. Auf
2: Wiedersehen. Bis nächste Woche.
0: See you later.